I'm Mike Vardy. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. So I've always kind of struggled with finance, and I thought that this would be a good platform and opportunity for me to bring someone on here to discuss it with me. My wife's got a good handle on it. You'll hear about that in the episode, but I'm the one that needs the help. And Amanda Steinberg's going to help me with it and show me that, uh, you know, keeping tabs on my finances may not be the worst thing in the world, or maybe there's another tactic I should take. Uh, There's a lot of things that are worthwhile in listening to this episode, and I think it's worth it for you to listen to it, hence the title of this episode. Now, who is Amanda Steinberg? Well, Amanda is, uh, she is the founder of Your Daily Worth. That's her, that's her website. So if you go to Daily Worth, um, it's made Forbes 100 best websites for women three years running. She's appeared on Good Morning America, Today, CNN, MSNBC, and a ton of others. Forbes named her one of the 21 new American money masters. Oprah Winfrey chose Steinberg for her inaugural Super Soul 100 list. And Fast Company has called Amanda Steinberg one of 2017's most creative people in business. She launched The Daily Worth in 2009, and uh, it basically was designed to bring a fresh voice and an outsider's perspective to personal finance. That's the kind of person I want to have on here. So founder of dailyworth.com is here, Amanda Steinberg. We're going to talk about finance here on the Productivityist podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Amanda Steinberg to the Productivityist podcast. Thanks for joining me, Amanda. I'm so happy to be here. So uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we got started, and this is the time of year for productivity where things kind of slow down. I, I think it's, it's important to note that even though people aren't necessarily focused on productivity, it's actually a great time of year to kind of reset, recharge, and get yourself ready for the, for the months ahead. Do you find that happens with, you know, with money and finance as well? Because, I mean, time and money have a very, very uh, a deep connection in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting what triggers our desire to get in touch with our finances. And one of them happens to be a deep desire to take vacations, which happens in <laughs> summertime. Yeah. So uh, let that be a motivator to say, you know, this year I'm going to change things so that I can have my beach house next summer. Whatever it is, you know, go with it. And like you said, I mean, uh, the, the great thing about this time of year is, I mean, you've got kids, I've got kids, they're home, they're present, they're often the reason that we're doing a lot of these things. So to have them around and say, hey, these are the kind of things I want to do for my family, that's that's a big part of it. Now, let's talk about your book, uh, because this dives into the aspect of, of your life. And, and your life isn't just the work that you do, but it's it's the life you craft beyond the work you do. So it's worth it. Your life, your money, and your terms. 
what was the impetus behind writing the book and what was what was the goal that you wanted people to get out of the book once you had it out there for everyone to read? You know, I was I was always raised to be financially responsible and to think about how it was I was going to prosper through my own career, et cetera. Um, and not all women are raised that way necessarily. Um, and I, I thought I followed all the rules. I had been reading Forbes magazine since college. I'd always been really career focused and I did everything right. I even had um, a million dollar software company in my twenties. Um, I had bought a home. I was just like trying to put everything together the way I thought it was supposed to, but I ended up close to a hundred thousand dollars in debt, not because I had a spending issue, but because I had so much risk related to the business I was building and the home I had purchased. And so I started daily worth, not because, uh, which is what led to the book worth it, not because um, I was a financial expert, but because I was someone for whom traditional financial advice had failed. And worth it is eight years of deconstructing and reconstructing financial advice so that it translates for normal people. Let's talk about the uh, the, the component of, of, you know, you saying that uh, as a woman, it was it, like, I think that's a lot of what gets driven behind, you know, the financial industry is that women don't get the same kind of, um, shall we say, Maybe credibility is not the right word, but there's there's this disconnect between you know women and money and personal power and all that stuff. Is that something that you find is is there a way to kind of override that? Because I, I think I'd love to see it where I mean my let's put it this way: I don't touch the finances in my house. My wife is way better financially than I am. If I was left to my own devices, um, we would be way worse off than we are. So like, can yeah. you, can you, can you draw that, 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 that connection there? Because I think it's, I think it's a misnomer. And and I know that in, in your, in your work, you kind of draw that out and say, Hey, look, this is, this is not, this is not actually how it is. Well, I think if you look back to the 1950s, which I think, you know, as the era in which some of our parents were raised, mm. so it's had an influence on us as well. Everything was manufactured then. It was all about the you know, the factory model home, the factory model life where folks, um, where everything also became heavily gendered. The man went outside of the house to work and it was glorified to be the domestic uh, nurturing woman. And during this time frame, it became very gender normalized that men were responsible for the finances and women were responsible for the home. Um, now, what, as a result of that, uh, of course, there's endless exceptions to this. But it's still in the way we view ourselves and our desire to be normal, loved, accepted, et cetera. Money has more of a masculine tone to it. And to be feminine is actually counter to being interested and engaged with money. So for a lot of women, not all women, the idea of being interested in money actually feels dissonant to them as if they're somehow being disloyal or abnormal. And that's it's, it's a very core cognitive issue, far more than a practical one. So how does, how does somebody get around that? Because I mean, that, that, I mean, we have so many other things going on. How does a woman, um, and, and I mean, I think this can apply to, I think it can ultimately apply to anybody, but let's focus on women in particular, because I think that's, like you said, that's where the, that's how the roles were kind of classified. How can, how can we move past that? How can a woman say, you know what, this is, this is not, this is not cool. This is not how it's supposed to be. How, how can they move into the, into that realm where it, it, it is okay. In fact, it's not just okay. It's, it's integral. It's, 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 it's something that you could do to help you thrive. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you're going to love my answer to this, but I'll tell you where I'm at on this question. Sure. Um, there there's, I really encounter, and this is actually equally important to men as it is to women, because mu as much as women 
Uh, I invite women into the possibility and choices and freedom that come from more financial accountability and engagement. I also invite men to not have to shoulder all of the responsibility of being the, the caretaker and the provider when maybe your wife might be a better earner than you, you know, take mm-hmm. a freaking vacation. It shouldn't all, it shouldn't be gender specified. Um, but the, what I, what I've experienced over the last eight years is there's really three categories of women. There are women who are in very happy marriages or maybe have inherited some money from their parents, or for some reason really have no financial pain and don't suffer as a result of not paying attention to it. The second category are women like me who were raised by moms and dads who wanted us to never, to never be in a financial coma of sorts, um, for obvious reasons. And then there's the third category are those who started out in category one, uh, where they have no financial pain and then something happens, whether it's a crisis or a big life change where they go, Oh, wow, I really need to pay attention to this. I'm not happy about it but I realize I don't have a choice in the matter. And the longer I resist, the worse things are going to get. I I'm really, um, I'm focused on speaking to women in categories two and three. It's very hard to convince someone where they're at their core. They believe they're not interested to suddenly make it interesting to them. It's difficult. Yeah. I, I run into that quite a bit with productivity as well, where they say, you know, the status quo is fine and I don't really have to worry about this kind of thing. Everything's kind of taken care of it for me. In those other situations, you're right. Like you have to make something happen. So what do you do? What do you do with that category three? So when, when you're dealing with someone who had it and then lot, like, how do you, how do you get them into, into a level where they're, they're feeling like, okay, I've got this under control and now I'm going to prosper. You know, I've studied uh, a lot of transformational psychology modalities, um, which is really permeates religions and psychology and philosophy and all, et cetera, about how is it that you help someone change the way they see the world in order to change their actions? Uh, and, and just to summarize what I do with these women, whether it's through my book or through our online course or through Daily Worth or my public speaking, et cetera, et cetera, is invite people into a conversation that you, um, that things that you believe are true, aren't necessarily true, especially if they're no longer serving you. I'll give you an example. A lot of, a lot of religions and a lot of us are raised to believe that on an inherent level, money is greed and money is bad. I don't believe money is greed and money is bad. I believe it's just money. I believe it's an object upon which we can place our own feelings and emotions that, which can be positive as well. But if you have been raised from a, as a young child to believe that um, that the meek shall inherit the earth and that uh, on some level money is bad, then if you save money, if you start to think about savings and investing, et cetera, you're probably going to sabotage what you do because you're going to suddenly associate yourself with that badness. The first really important thing is to help people uncover those ideas, not because they're necessarily going to change them, especially if they're deeply ingrained in your personal narrative but at least so that they don't drive you. They don't drive your decision-making. And the second thing that I do for those who are in that transitional period is to remind them that it's really not their fault. This is is a huge part of my book. And what I mean by that is our society has been set up to um, create the masculine role as those who are responsible for money. And women have been rewarded and encouraged to delegate and give away that responsibility. And yes, that does create a lot of problems for a lot of women. Um, and then they, of course, blame themselves as if they should have known, known better. In many cases, they were actually doing exactly what they thought they were supposed to be doing. 
So let's let's look at this in the in the grand scheme of okay, this is their lives. They've got the job that they're working on. They've got the kids, or maybe they don't have kids. Um, and and now they want to start to to they, they want to change their views of how they look at money. And, and I, I agree. I think that a lot of this has to do with you know mindset around you know whether it's keeping up with the Joneses, all that stuff. Um, what 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 goes on their to do list? Like how do they tackle? Because so many people are already overwhelmed with with yeah. all the things that they need and, and want to do. And then they're like, okay, well, you should take control of this as well. How do you, how do they, how do they prioritize? Like, how do they, how do they assemble a to-do list uh, or, or what do they put on their to-do list to kind of start to creep back into that area? Cause it's not something you can just jump right back into. Right. Um, well, it, you know, in addition to all the services that we offer, which is exactly what it's, it's basically what daily worth is designed to do is to be a transformational journey for women who want to go from overwhelm to clarity. Um, but if you don't want to uh, come to the Amanda Steinberg universe and you're just looking for some other things first, um, you know, it's, I, I would say the way you're framing it, Mike, is I, I would offer another way of looking at it, sure. which is that the, the more you think of money as another chore, the more it's totally going to seem uninteresting and a pain and you're not going to want to do it. If you look at money as investing in your own freedom and creating less to do because you have more money, what it ends up being is something that's really inspiring to you to figure out how is it that I spend a lot more time on this right now um, so that I can create a life that is, it's the vital part of my book, Your Terms, that is the life I want, not the life that I've inherited, not the ideas that I thought I was supposed to live up to that, guess what, aren't serving me anymore. Um, that is truly the life that I want. And how do I learn how to fund that so that I'm not living out someone else's existence, someone else's story in a way that's really expensive that I probably can't afford anyway. So I would say rather than looking at it as chores, think about it as an investment in finally coming into your own of your own vision and then being able to control that because you control your money. I want to dive into this component a little bit more is the idea of, I mean, again, time and money have a direct correlation. The, the, I guess the primary difference is you can, all, you, can, you can earn money back. You can't really earn time back, but which, which actually I think is really uh, interesting because you talk about, and this is a Forbes article we're going to link to, you talk about automation. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would also say that probably delegation is part of that automation because you could say, hey, you know what? I mean, a great example would be, um, I mean, my daughter is now old enough that she can mow the lawn. But before that, I paid somebody to mow the lawn. And my philosophy behind that was, okay, it's going to cost me, what, 20 bucks to have this kid mow the lawn versus what can I do with that hour that it takes me to mow the lawn that would make me more than the six, you know, the the stuff I really enjoy doing, like writing or building something for my audience or or even just spending time with my family. So do you think automate, like delegation is a, a form of automation and then Talk about some of the automation tips that you suggest, because I know you mentioned some in the Forbes article, such as, you know, digit and and things like that. But what are some of the other ones that may not be so apparent to people? Yeah, you know, I love delegation as a form of automation. I am. uh, One example of that is I spend so much time folding socks and it drives me nuts. (laughs) And yes, I know I could put them all in a mesh bag. I know that I could put a safety pin through them, but I never seem to hold on to enough safety pins. I've tried that. And, uh, and the number of hours I spend searching for a matching sock is just wrong. So what I've done instead, um, and you guys may think I'm, I'm, I'm a little excessive here, but you know, to each their own is I pay my 10 year old son a dollar for each pair of socks. 
Um, and this is the best thing because, you know, he has to save half of what he earns. Um, he's not allowed to spend it ever. Um, and, uh, and then I get full, he and I, and my, and his younger sister get full drawers of socks and I get all of that time back. So I get to teach my son about money and, um, he gets to earn and save and I get socks. So there you go. That's one. Now, what about, what about some of the other automation tools that people can use? Uh, to kind of, uh, I mean, did, the funny thing is in Canada, we don't have nearly as many as you guys do in the U.S. Like I've looked at a lot of these, like what's the one where uh, it takes pennies? Is it Digit that takes pennies out of your just, account? That was the next one on my yeah. list. It's my yeah. favorite automation tool right now. So yeah. if you struggle to save money, sign up for Digit.co. And um, it met, it just takes a teeny amount out of your checking account to the point where you wouldn't even notice it. Um, and suddenly I turn around, I've got like $1,000 in a separate savings account that is super convenient. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And what's funny is, I mean, again, I am not the finance person in this household. I was at Tropical Think Tank earlier this year. And, uh, you know, I mean, my they the people didn't have not don't know who my wife is. My wife is a partner in the business, but she does all the admin stuff. She's the one that gets the bills paid. She handles all the money. She's also the one that tells me, yes, you can buy this thing or no, you can't based on how much we have. But what's interesting is that she said to me the other day, she said, you know, the property taxes were due. And that's always been a bone of contention for us up to this year. And then she said, well, we have enough to pay the property taxes before the bill even arrives. That to me was like such a huge win that I, the the danger for me is that I don't want to look at the finances anymore because it's almost yeah. like my old habits come back into place. You're so, going to need my, you're going to need my course because <laughs> you're too dependent on your wife. That's <laughs> pretty much, she just came back from five days away of being in the Yukon and I'm like, I don't know how much money we have and I don't want to spend any just in case it's earmarked for something else. So um, let's talk about the kids and allowance because I think that's something that, that don't get, that, that doesn't get, uh, it's mentioned a lot, and I think there's different tactics around it. For example, we uh, I was raised where you got an allowance for doing the chores. Like, that's how you did it. And then there's other, uh, as, you know, time's gone on, it's like, well, kids should get money to learn how to use money. Uh, uh, chores should be part of what they do to help the family. And if they do bonus chores and they get, like, kind of the sock thing that you're talking about, then that money is is goes above and beyond. Like, what's your stance on the whole, like, you only get paid if you do stuff versus here, you should learn how to manage money. Like where do you fall into that camp? Should, 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 should. <laughs> Theories work great until yeah. they don't actually get implementable. Is that mm. a word implementable? Um, I personally, some people have incredible discipline and can get their kids to do things without paying them. I can sometimes. I also find um, that there's a lot less friction when even if they don't even understand the full value of money yet, they think they're getting something for it. I don't know. It's, um, it's, uh, I'm actually, I give my, my kids don't know this yet. Um, but I don't actually give them an allowance that they've spending money. I have, um, I give them an allowance because I am building savings habits and that I hope that they will have for the rest of their lives. Like it's just, they know that they can't spend half of what they have. If I can let them get them to do that through the end of college, big win. Um, so I don't mind giving them more money cause it's literally just stacking up. I figure it'll be like my retirement fund one day when they have to take care of me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I'll, there's, there's lots of rules of thumb out there. There's, you know, give them the allowance that is their age, you know, make them save half, make them save a third, um, pay them for chores. Don't pay it. You know what your go with what you think is going to work best for your family. Um, and then I also recommend, um, a website called famzoo.com. 
That's where I have my, each of my kids has a spending account, a savings account, and a giving account. And it allows you to distribute those electronically. So you can look it up on an app and they even get their own debit card, which you control, which I think is pretty cool. Wow. Wow. So, and there's, so there's tithing built right into that as well, right? Like you said, exactly. that's, that's, and yeah. that's, that's something that, that I think, uh, especially, you know, we're seeing more and more, especially where, where I live, it's interesting. The uh, conversation is coming. We have a real big housing problem here in Victoria, BC, where we have like less than, we have a 0.1% vacancy rate. So, and it's the oh warmest God. part of Canada. So there's lots of people that come here and there's a big homeless issue. And there uh, recently a conversation was started that said, what if people started to share their homes with people? And, you know, it, there, there's a lot of, of, of um, you know, back and forth on that. But I think that, that if you, if everyone started to set aside some money to give to organizations that will help people either in those situations or in any charitable uh, functionality whatsoever. I think that that's something that, that, that would benefit everybody. What are, do you have a, do you have a, a map that you, you put out for, for those uh, or a plan to say, Hey, you know what, this is, this is the ideal amount that you should be tithing or, or do you kind of, again, feel the same where it's like, feel, do what feels right. And, you know, don't worry about setting aside a certain percentage. Like, how do you look at that as well? Yeah. At, at this stage of my career and my development focused on women who are coming out of their money comas, I haven't built tithing into the structure of what we teach yet. Mm-hmm. I think I will at some point, but um, that women have so much issue around taking care of themselves right? That they, and, are, yeah. and are valued for being selfless that I don't find women typically have trouble giving their money away. I find that they are having a lot more trouble saving and they're martyring themselves. Right. And so what I'm more interested in is helping them become amazing savers, even when that seems totally counterintuitive to them or impossible, um, so that they can then become better tithers later. Mm-hmm. They, they need to learn how to take care of themselves first. So part of that self-care might wrap itself around, and you talked about how you know, back in the 50s when, when it, we were more of a resource-based economy, and then all of a sudden we become more of a consumer-driven economy, right? And the story of stuff goes over this and, and, you know, in, in a lot of ways. How do you explain, and I had to go through this uh, myself as I went from a job that paid me really well to when I decided to follow what I do now, I lost, I dropped, my income dropped by more than 50%. So I had to make yeah. some some choices as to what I was willing to give up, things like cable, things like getting the new phone every single, every single time a cycle rose around. And it's that instant gratification of like, oh, I've got this, you know, shiny new thing. So that's going to make me feel better until the bill comes due. How do you help women with that as they're trying to, again, become savers as opposed to, you know, they have control over their money now so they can go buy that shiny new thing that they want to buy that's going to give them that, that, that I would maybe fleeting is the right term, fleeting sense of happiness. I, I think by the time most women come into my sphere, they've already realized that the pain that comes with not having enough is far more than the joy that they're going to get from buying a pair of shoes. They've already probably bought a thousand pairs of shoes in their lifetime. So I am, um, I'm, I'm typically, uh, it's, it's more so, um, actually I'm going to totally contradict myself at the same time. Um, a lot of us spend money a lot for reasons that have nothing to do with what we actually need to do. We're doing it because we're emotional or we're bored or there's a social function like a birthday party. And we think we're supposed to bring a present, even though we really haven't funded our retirement that month, stuff like that. Um, it's less about me teaching austerity because, um, I've got all sorts of data points, which you can just trust me on for now 
about for about 70% of women, um, and probably men, even though I don't study men, 70% of women, austerity is not a motivator, mm. nor is it a behavioral changer. So what does motivate them? Uh, I created something called moneytype.me, which is an assess online assessment that you can go take. And essentially what's important to know is, do you have, um, are you an Epicure, which is one of the five money types? If so, you're likely to be the person who goes into Target and drops $400 without thinking about it because you want new pillowcases. Um, if you're that type of person, then austerity is not going to work for you. What we have to do is we have to set up a separate spending account so that you can spend that money freely without dipping into the money that you need to pay down your debt and pay your bills every month. Um, I'm bouncing all over a little bit here because Honestly, there's no one answer. It's all very circumstantial to the individual, obviously. It's a combination of creating clarity and control through maybe a separate spending account. It's understanding what does motivate you. Um, And then uh, it's... it's, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to add to this conversation. Um, Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's about seeing the freedom and being more inspired by the possibility of what happens when you do have more money and haven't spent than the, than what you perceive to, to be the immediate gratification of what it is you're buying. Right. Getting past that, that, that sense of if I have that right now, I'll be happy right now versus, but if I don't get that, look what I'll be able to, it's, it's, I mean, I've, I've learned this and, and my wife and I, I mean, we've, we actually talked about this earlier today where it's like, you know, it's great when you didn't buy the thing that you thought you would, you really wanted, uh, or go to that event. Let's say you were going to go to this concert or whatever. And you said, you know what? Um, I'm not going to go to that concert now because that money is better used elsewhere. But then when that concert comes, I mean, Coldplay is going to come back to Vancouver. It's not like their songs are going to go away. So why not, you know, why not wait until that? And, and, and I think for me, I think, and, and I don't know if this is something that you, you also kind of dive into. But for me, if I find something that I I would like, and I know that it's not going to fit into the plan right now, I will still make note of it. I'll put it on, on, on a to-do list under the, I call it what I call the capture closet, which is this area where it's like, these are things I would like to do. And when that comes, I review that capture closet regularly. And if, if the situation or circumstances line up, then there's a possibility that I would be able to a go see Coldplay or b go to for a weekend trip to Seattle with the family, et cetera, et cetera. So is that something that you kind of say, you know, like, Hey, you might want to buy that new Apple watch, or you might want to buy that new pair though. You might want to do a wardrobe, you know, retrofit. Um, but instead of doing it now, make note of it and kind of step away. And then when the time is right, dive into it. Is that, is that anything that you kind of dive into or is it more, is it, is it more about the relationship with the, the money versus the relationship with what the money can do, if that makes any sense? I don't know if that makes sense, but. You know, what's most important is that you are building net worth. And it sounds like your wife has a handle on this where you're building security for the future where you've got equity either in a home or in a retirement account or something that you're going to be able to turn into cash later in life so that you don't work until you die. That's basically one of the goals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, after that, once once you're on a path um, and you need to make sure that you keep your overhead really, really low so that you can have enough cash in order to invest more so that you can really take advantage of the fact of how assets grow at hopefully at some sort of multiplier. Once it, once you get there, if you get there, then it does become a like, what can I afford game? 
um, that's, that's the like non-negotiable. You have to set your life up so that you are not going to be in debt when you are 70, if you can help it. Um, then there is, then there becomes the luxuries of life. And for, as far as your question is concerned, you know, the, the way I personally look at it is give yourself a certain allowance towards things that you can spend on whatever the hell you feel like. And when it comes time for those Coldplay tickets, if the money exists, you spend it. And then you realize that you're not going to get the other things, you know, it's, um, you can find the money. It's, um, it's just a matter of choosing what those luxuries are, um, and making sure that you've separated out the money that's going towards your investments in your future and the money that's going towards your day-to-day bills, the stuff that you really don't have a choice about spending. And then move that other money guiltlessly into that spending account and buy those Coldplay tickets. You don't even have to evaluate it. If the money's there, spend it. Mm. And if it's not there, don't spend it. And then it becomes really clear. So normally at the end of a, a discussion, I would say, okay, what's the first thing that, that you recommend people do? But I'm actually going to do that because if they go to dailyworth.com, there's like a ton of things that people can, you know, women especially can start to do today. Do you want to draw some, uh, draw a highlight on some of those? Cause there's, I mean, there's the quiz there's, you already talked about moneytype.me. I mean, what can they do right from that page just to get into a better relationship with money? Sure. So, um, I'll give you a few ideas and, um, and tell me if they sound interesting because I don't want it to sound laborious. Um, the good thing about signing up for daily worth is all you do is you put in your email address and we send you a daily email that, starts to elaborate on lots of the things that I've been talking about, hopefully in a friendly and engaging format. So they don't get bored and run away. Cause a lot of people get bored and run away when it comes to money. Um, the, uh, the second thing that you can do, yes, is take the quiz. How good are you actually with money? And the cool thing about taking that quiz is that it tells you what you should do next based on where it believes that you are. It's not the, it's not science. It's, you know, not the most accurate thing in the whole world. After all, it is an internet quiz. Um, but we've gotten a lot of good feedback on, uh, the advice that it comes out of it. The third thing that you can do is you can go to our website, moneytype.me, which is the personality assessment. That's how you start to understand what your gifts and strengths are around money and what your sabotage patterns are, because it's not as though you're going to change those sabotage patterns, but by building awareness of them, you can build, um, structures around yourself so that you don't hurt yourself without realizing it (laughs) over and over again. Um, for uh, just an example, I talked about Epicures are the ones who like to go to Target and buy new pillows all the time. I'm a, a visionary art, um, money type, which means I take on more risk than anyone should ever take on. That's what visionaries do. So much so I don't even see risk. And then I end up in big financial holes because I don't even, I didn't like, wow, I jumped off a cliff, but I didn't realize I had to have my parachute on. Um, <laughs> no one told me that. I thought it was with me. I thought it would just show up. Um, so that's what money type does. And there's lots of different personality types, um, that you may fall into. Um, and then another thing that you can do is go to our online course, which is called uh, money clarity. That's moneyclarity.com. And if you would like to join our four week program, there's a whole community, um, there going through various steps in order to change your relationship to money and make sure you understand what's going on. Cause frankly, no one taught us most of this stuff. There you go. I, you know, I just took the quiz. I don't know my results yet. I'm waiting for the email, but when I, when I do, I'll share it with everybody oh, in the, in the closing. Um, but the, and, and here's the interesting, I, I've been to FinCon before, which is the financial bloggers conference. I actually spoke about, you know, the, the, the parallels between time and money. And one of the things that came up was, um, you know, I would walk around, uh, the, the, the expo floor and a lot of stuff 
doesn't apply to Canadians there because Canadian yeah. finance is very different. But the principles that you talk about, you know, uh, daily worth and in your book, um, they're they're they, they don't they know no borders. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. like you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you might have to skip the four hundred one k chapter if you're from Canada, right? Exactly. But, but but the 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 philosoph the philosophical components behind it are very very sound. So and actually here it is. I. Uh, it, uh, oh, I got the, yeah. So let's see. It doesn't say yet what my, uh, what my thing is. So we'll, we'll I'll, I'll share it with type? you. It doesn't say my money type yet, but I, I will huh, definitely, uh, no, no, I, I did the quiz, not the, um, Oh, you not, did the quiz. That's not money type, right? That I just did, is your assessment. I did got the it. quiz. So, um, but I will share that with everybody in the, in the closing so that people can hear, Hey, what were you like? And, and you know what? I'll do the money type as well, because why not? I need to, but you're right. Like when you said earlier on, you're like, sounds like your wife has a handle on things and you might need to I think now I have a much better understanding of why. And I think that's the thing for me is why I need to be on top of finances or at least have an understanding of them because uh, I run my own business and there is no pension at the end. And there is no, you know, we are, we're investing and we're doing some smart stuff with it, but I need to be more, more, uh, more educated on it. So I want to thank you for that, for driving that point home. It's always great to hear it from somebody else other than your significant other. Uh, of course. <laughs> but uh, Amanda, where can people find your work? Other than at dailyworth.com, uh, they can pick up the book, of course. And it, where can they find you uh, online? Other than those places, social media, things like that. Uh, definitely search for me on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. These days, my following my personal profile is better than liking my professional one, which is where all the action is, but you can do both. Um, and on, uh, on Twitter, I'm Amanda at Amanda Steinberg. would love to talk to any of you who want to say hi. Awesome. Amanda, thanks for joining me so much today on the Productivity's podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Amanda for joining me on this week's episode of the show. You can find out all the things we talked about, all the relative show links and all that stuff in the show notes, either on the website under the podcast episode for this particular episode. Uh, or you can check it in your podcast uh, catcher of choice, whatever you're listening to this on. And if you want to get more podcast goodness, uh, I've got bonus episodes and the like. You can head over to patreon.com slash productivityist and become a patron of Productivityist, and that way you can get even more additional content. So if you want to learn more about that and all the perks surrounding that, head over to patreon.com slash productivityist, and you can start to make that happen today. Again, thanks to Amanda for joining me today and taking the time out of her busy schedule to talk with me. And there's a lot of great stuff in here. We didn't even get to scratch uh, um, too deeply into what we wanted to dive into. If you'd like me to have her back on the show, please let me know. In fact, if you get suggestions for guests, let me know in general. You can email me at podcast at productivityist.com and uh, we'll check those out. Big thanks to John Poltrip for producing the show and thanks to you for listening. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast and the founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. You're worth it. <laughs>